I want to invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you're using one of the few Bibles, that's on page 964. And we're going to look at verses 3 through 11. And I love this passage because it is a reminder of the God of all comforts and the way that he shapes communities to be places where people can feel the comfort of God. And we are obviously in this time right now where more than ever, we need to be comforted by the Lord Almighty. So let me read verses 3 through 11. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which, with which we ourselves are comforted, comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be ignorant brothers of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we were despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. This is the word of the Lord. And this is a, a word that is um, really relevant right now. And I actually do want to explain a word to you, that word comfort. We have this idea here of God's mercy and this compassion that the Lord extends. But then as Paul talks about comfort, this is a word that in the Greek is paraklesis. Um, that's a familiar word. If you have grown up in the church, if you've listened to very many Sunday school lessons or sermons, then you may know that this is the same word, the root word, that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the paraclete. And so this is the same idea that God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as this triune God, He is this comforter who is willing and able to give us what we need. He is the source of all comfort. And so that word comfort, it has a, a different meaning in Greek than we might expect in the English. I, I looked it up in the dictionary just to give us kind of a, a shared idea of what comfort means for us so often. So we define comfort sometimes as a state of physical ease or freedom from pain or constraint. And I would say that comfort is one of the main idols that we live with in this culture. Um, we want things to be easy. Uh, we want to be able to sit back and just enjoy the spoils of our labor. Um, and so it's one of my main idols, to be honest with you. I really want things to, to just happen 
and to be able to sit back and be free of any suffering or any pain that I might have to endure. But there's another meaning that we have in our perception of what comfort is, and that's the idea that, um, that we have this resources, people around us who help ease the pain of distress and the feelings of grief that we experience. And so that second meaning is fairly close to what the Greek means. There is a sense of soothing comfort But the word um, used here by Paul is actually a word that talks about strength. That God creates this atmosphere for us where we're able to go to him and have trust in him that makes us feel safe enough to take risks for the sake of the gospel. To be able to endure the things that happen when you're following Christ. And so... Daryl, I don't know if you weaved the worship around some of these ideas, but we listened to some of these wonderful things, these ideas of how we are dependent upon God, how God has made us to be dependent on him, how he is the one who we go to in order to give us the strength that we need to live in this world. And so there's this idea of bravery involved within this passage. And there's an illustration that I like to use. Um, There was a show in the early 2000s. It was this space odyssey. People were fighting and and doing all these things in the upper atmosphere. So I'll tell you a story, and you can think of it in a more earthly fashion. Uh, Because on this program, there were fighter pilots. And these fighter pilots, every time they went into battle, were risking their lives and needed Uh, the courage to go out and do what they had to do. And so the ship's commander was talking to this particular fighter pilot um, who had been the leader of the rest of the group for a while. And he, he said to her, you know, you have done so much to lead us and support your fellow pilots as you go into battle. And then he says to her, um, that she has been a comforter. He says, you protected your people. You made them feel safe enough to be brave. And so that's what the God of all comfort is doing, is allowing us this ability to believe in him, to trust in him, to know that he will give us strength that will then propel us into the things that we are called to in this life and that uphold us at times where we may be suffering in the ways that Christ suffered, in the way that Paul suffered, as he describes here. And so Paul gives thanks to God for this. This is the only way that Paul's going to be able to survive the things that he's going through, is because God is one who comforts and gives comfort that is really strength in the midst of hardship. And so God comforts Paul in any affliction, and he says, this is This is actually happening for your sake. This is happening for you, the people in the city of Corinth, these churches that are spread out. This is not only for me, but something that I can share that will give encouragement as you go through your own situation. And so the comfort of God is not only intended to give Paul the strength that he needs to do his ministry, but it's intended to be a blessing to other people. He's able to communicate the mercies of God and the favor of God for people like us who really need to hear and be reassured of who this God is and what his grace looks like. And so when we suffer hardships in this world, we are 
we are suffering from just the reality of living in a falling, a fallen existence. And so when, when God gives us this strength for these trials and troubles that befall us, like that's just the way things are going to be. Jesus is really honest. If we were, you know, there are some churches that have the billboards out front with these little phrases to, to I guess, comfort people or uh, to chide people that they need to come and be at church because they're not there. But when we advertise, when we try to let people know what church is all about, it's really difficult to be able to say, if you want to experience suffering, if you want to go through pain, if you want to have this battle that comes with Christianity, then come in and join us. We'll have a great time together as we suffer side by side. But that's what we're invited into is this kind of life. And it's very difficult because we are people who have weaknesses. We are people who are in a lot of ways incapable. And we are dependent on God because we don't have the resources we need to live this life in a fallen world. And then to go into this world with the message of the gospel that God has given us. And so there is this idea Um, the importance of how we can share comfort with one another, but it is, I think, difficult for us sometimes to really be able to do this well. There are obstacles in our way, things that we may not be willing to do because of some of the mindset we can get into. Because what happens, I think it happens to you, I know it happens to me, that my pride kicks in. And I feel like um, I need to power through things. And I don't want to really tell the story of my vulnerability, of my true brokenness, of my inability to, to function sometimes. For the longest time, um, I don't really have a hard, very hard time talking about my mental health situation at this point. But for a long time, it was a secret. I, I held this secret I was in plain sight trying to hide this thing that really affected every part of me and every day of my life. But I think that's what we do sometimes is we live in this self-protective state where we don't say, you know, here's what happened to me or here's what I'm, I'm working through right now. But we get to do that because, and, and do it in a wonderful way. Because we can also at the same time say, here's how God has met me in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of this challenge. John Calvin, who many of you probably know, um, he was one of the fathers of the Reformed faith. He talks about this idea of, of sharing affliction and being comforted by what other people have gone through. And he says that this is actually a function of generosity. That there is a spirit of generosity when we're willing to give people the gift of this is what comfort looks like for me. And this is how God can be with you in your anxiety and your affliction in the ways that you are in in the troubles that you're facing. And there's this quote that I really appreciate deeply. Um, And I've actually put together some materials so I can go in and talk to churches about what they can do um, in order to make people, in in order to create an environment where people like me can talk more openly. But it's from someone named Jude Treader Wolf. 
And he says this about our experience and how important it is to share that experience. He says there is always the chance that our story is exactly what someone else needs to hear. Read that again. There is always the chance that our story is exactly what someone else needs to hear. And Paul knows this. And he shares his story for the sake of his friends in Corinth. And I've experienced this, and I think probably all of you have in some way, but I grew up at uh, Calvary Baptist Church in Bourbon, and we had this tradition at our Sunday evening services where I think it was about once a month where people would have the opportunity to stand up and give a testimony. And sometimes it got a little out of hand. You had people who would go up and air their dirty laundry and maybe start to share other people's stories, maybe get a little gossipy. Um, there, were, there were some of those TMI moments of the too much information being shared. So it was a little dicey sometimes. But I remember even as a kid that I was encouraged by these times because you had people of different generations, of different backgrounds, of different um, just life situations at that given time who would stand up and just share the truth of who God was and how God had touched their lives in different ways. And it was so encouraging to me because I was, you know, even in that time, that stretch where I didn't really believe anymore and wasn't sure uh, whether this gospel was really for me, I was still hearing those stories. And I could still look back and think back to people I knew who had doubts and who had disappointments and who were able to, to read scripture, who were able to be surrounded by a supportive community who, as I think back on those stories, yeah, this is true. And as I started to consider who is this God and what does he have for me, that um, just that kindness of God was very important to me in my return to him or really his um, drawing me back to himself. But there's hope in that. When we share these kind of stories, when you share the things that you have been through and then share the comfort of God, there is hope that emerges that Paul talks about in this passage. And I think the me- this message matters to us now more than ever, because when you think about the comfort in the way that we often consider it, this freedom from pain and constraint, from grief and distress, we have lost so much in the last nine months. And you think about these things that are, in, in some ways, we would consider them small. But I have a daughter who's in high school. And in that initial stage where we started to pull back, you had kids in the spring who had looked forward to their last track season or their final season of baseball or softball or this band concert that meant something to them or this dance or being able to actually graduate. Being able to gather and be celebrated as, as high school graduates after all this work they put in, those things were pulled away. And so for me as a father, even my own girls had things that they had looked forward to for a long time that they didn't get to do. And so we have this lingering grief. And I don't know if any of you have lost friends or family members during this time, but we have so many things, so many people who we've lost or had challenges in this process. People have lost jobs, lost income, lost hope that things are going to be okay at some point. And so we need this kind of comfort that Paul talks about. And so 
obviously there's a reason that one of the reasons that Pastor Darrell invited me today was to talk about what we're doing now and and this idea of affliction and comfort and what it's been like in our lives. And so I am now uh, working as a behavioral health professional. I'm a certified peer specialist, which means I am trained to walk with people with, with shared experience. I take my lived experience and then offer empathy and encouragement to people who um, really in large part haven't had the understanding that comes when you live inside of a mental health concern. And so we've had the pleasure of, and we can't talk about much because of confidentiality, but we've had the pleasure of watching a family who thought they would not reconcile have hoped that they could reconcile because we're able to talk freely about what we've been through and then they have people who, who get it and who can be comforted by the knowledge that we've made it through and that we've actually been able to thrive in the midst of what we've faced. But as I said, we, we got to this point where I realized there is no way. Like I started a church and God was gracious enough to build up that church, but I don't have the ability to start another ministry on my own. And so I found out about Fresh Hope for Mental Health. And Fresh Hope actually has a support group. If you need a support group and, and you want to check it out, you can drive to Joplin and find yourself a support group. But that's the only one I could find in the state of Missouri. And so I contacted them. And what interested me so much about it is the, the founder is a guy named Brad Hafes. And as I read Brad's story and, and started to get a sense of his personality and I actually talked to a guy out of Denver who said if you want to start a mental health ministry talk to Brad and so Brad and I had a conversation and it was just like you need to come here and let's do this together because there's no point in you trying to start this on your own and so all of a sudden I have this partner in ministry who we're excited to be with but Brad's story similar to mine um, Brad was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and it hit him hard at a particular point, and he had a crisis. He had a, a mental health meltdown, and he didn't know what to do, didn't know where to turn. And he started to look around to see, is there, is there support for pastors? Is there support within the churches where there's a gospel-centered, church-based support that I can find that I can work through these things and, and be able... Um, to still find my identity, to be able to trust in the Lord, to be able to move forward in a way that is not sidled by this thing that he has to deal with. And this is a story that's really common for, it's common for me and it's common for a lot of people. I don't know if, if you all are aware, I don't know, um, I don't even know if the numbers are right because I think mental health concerns are more prevalent than we know. But right now, 25% of people are living with a lifelong mental health disorder. And one of the stunning things is that 50% of people who will have a chronic illness have it by the time they're 14. 75% will have it by the time they are 17. And I can just tell you that as someone who was in that situation, who didn't know what was going on, whose parents didn't know what was going on, if, if my parents had had this knowledge, the awareness they needed, if they had a community that was willing to talk about these things, I do wonder 
how different my life would have been through some of these times. And so there are many of us, 25% of the overall population, 50% of people at some point in their lives will have a mental health concern. And what that means to me is 100% of people either deal with these things or love somebody who is trying to walk through this life with some very difficult circumstances. And so Brad looked around, and then I started to look around. What are you supposed to do when you have a mood disorder, and what are you supposed to do in... in and I'll just be honest. Um, I couldn't talk about these things. Church was like the worst thing to try to talk about these things. Because the perception, and what I heard from people was... Is it possible that your faith just isn't strong enough? Is it possible that you need to pray more? You need to study the Bible more? You need to address some of these spiritual issues? And I have things wiring my brain. My brain is misfiring, telling me things that aren't true, um, making me scared in certain ways, causing anxiety, causing all these things that are disrupting my life. And people look at me and say, maybe you just don't believe enough. Maybe your faith is defective. I needed that comfort of somebody to say, you know what, I actually have been through similar things and here's how God has given me strength and here's how I can encourage you and here's what um, things could look like during this recovery process. And so um, this is my last, I feel like I'm on a talk show giving you a plug for a movie or a product that I'm trying to sell, but Fresh Hope is this peer-based model where people can sit down together and just relate to each other in a way that maybe they've never had that opportunity before. And it's really modeled on this passage in First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter one. This model of I have been afflicted in every way, in these different ways, so I can comfort anybody in any affliction. I'm really good at comforting people. I've been through enough crisis in my own mind that I can walk into that with people. It was actually one of the things that, in a strange way, that I enjoyed um, about being a pastor and being in our church is that when people were in some of their hardest moments, I was able to step in, and I didn't even know I had that capability. I didn't know what I would even... I had phone calls where people had just found out something horrible, and I was invited in 30 minutes within this crisis developing, and... God was faithful um, because I knew what it was like. I knew what it was like to deal with hard times and to be comforted by God and then to have that strength that God offers and then offer that to other people. And so I left some brochures in the back if you want to check out a little bit more who we are and what we're doing. But what Paul talks about here, I don't think is a luxury for us. I think it's an absolute necessity that we live this way. And I want to end on a note of what Paul was going through. And so, so Paul... Um, apostle who we now look at as the one of the cornerstones of the Christian faith, one of the cornerstones. He, he is, Jesus is the cornerstone, but Paul is this one who um, has shaped so much of our faith because of what God gave him to say to us. But he was in this situation in Corinth where some of his friends, he planted these churches. It's we talk in the church planning world about how Paul's worst experience in church planning was with the churches that he actually planted. Um, so don't feel so bad when you're struggling in your own church setting. But he had some of these people who had been friends and confidants who had turned against him. 
And part of the reason they did is because these, there were these false apostles. They're jokingly in commentaries called super apostles. Who set, them up, set themselves up with these people who are so holy and so wonderful that they don't have problems in life. And they looked at Paul and said, he is weak. Paul, in this same book, in the same letter, talks about this thorn in his flesh that God has left with him to make him remember his dependence on Jesus and to be reminded that Jesus' grace is sufficient for him. But people looked at Paul and all these problems he had. He, he was in this constant state of trying to fight through poverty and homelessness. He had the authorities chasing after him. You look at Paul and he basically suffered in every way possible, suffered for righteousness sake. But people looked at him and said, this guy, you shouldn't trust him. This guy is not an apostle of God. He's not been sent out as a messenger of the Lord because if he was, he wouldn't be dealing with all these things that he's up against. And so they try to use that against him. And so it's so important for Paul to share this because he wants them to understand that what I'm going through right now is not because I'm cursed by God. It's not because I am somehow, um, his favor has been removed from me or I never had that favor in the first place. He helps them to understand the whole reason that I'm going through this stuff is for you. I'm suffering for the sake of Christ so I can come back or I can write these letters. I don't think he ever got to go back to Corinth, but he's able to write these letters and say to them, here's what I'm going through. Here's what my life looks like. And in the most honest way, he says this really fascinating part of this passage. He says that we are burdened to the point of death, which means in in the Greek and in the culture at the time, this means that Paul was riddled with anxiety. He had this crushing sense that this is not going to work out. And he actually lived with this sentence of death. He lived with this idea that my life is really over. I have nothing to lose. And so I'm going to go out and do this ministry and follow the calling that God has given me. But he looks and he says to his friends, we are so deeply troubled by what's going on in our lives. But it's happening so we can share with you the amazing comfort from the God of all comforts who gives us more than we possibly deserve and then gives us what we need to be strengthened as we go through this life. And so Paul talks about this unshakable hope that he has in the Lord as he faces spiritual attack, as he faces all these different, he describes them as, uh, as these hardships that he faces and so he, he says something interesting, and I'll end with this. Um, Paul talks about how what is happening to him is so he can learn to rely on the Lord and then be able to share with other people, here's what it looks like to rely on the Lord. And I can just tell you in every bit of honesty that's available in me, when I face anything that's similar to this, I will never face the same kind of things that Paul faced. But when some of these things start to happen to me, my almost last impulse is to turn to the Lord for comfort, to turn to him for the strength and his bravery that he's able to give. Because when it seems like nothing's going to work and things are falling apart, my instinct is I can't trust anybody. 
I can't trust anything. I am the only one who can actually make possible what I think needs to happen. And so I begin to rely on myself. I'm the one who's going to have to solve this. I'm the one who can deliver myself and my family from the hurt and harm of life. I'm the one who can step in and power through and be able to do what has to be done. And this is so untrue. But I think that's one of the things that because we're fallen, part of our default mode is to try to handle things on our own. That's what our first parents did is they thought, hey, we're going to live life on our own terms. We're going to live life according to our own rules and the ways that we think things need to happen. Paul looks at all of us and he says, I know the mercies of God. I know the deep compassion that God has for me. I know that his love endures forever and I'm going to lean into it. And I'm going to lean into these things that I'm going through. And I'm going to lean into it for the sake of being able to say to you, my friends in Corinth, that the God of all comforts will comfort you in any and every affliction. So listen to those words again. Paul says to his friends, we're going through all of this so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Let's pray. God, I thank you that this is true. That your word is not just some ideas, some thoughts that the Apostle Paul decided to write down on paper to maybe the Corinthians would help him in some way. But that what he experienced and what we experience is the same then as it is now. You are the same God. You are a God who gives us comfort. Thank you that this is absolutely what is accurate and correct and what's available to us. I pray for this church. I pray that Newport would be a place where people feel this comfort, where people know the favor of God, that his favor, God, that your love is more expansive than we can ever, ever possibly imagine. And would you make this a place of comfort for people in this community? I just know from everything that we see right now that there are so many people who are in pain and don't know what to do and don't know where to go. Would you make this church a source of light in this community that people in, in New Haven and Washington and Union and in all these different spots where they are in need of you, that you would find them? that you would bring them into contact with this church in one way or another so they might be able to know you and know what it's like to be deeply cared for. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank Thank you that we get to worship you today. Jesus, we thank you that you were willing to pour out yourself in every way possible for our sake. We pray this and give this all up to you. In your precious and holy name, Jesus. Amen.